Welcome to the Mud Island Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Garrick McMullen, and I'm here to help you find your adventure right here in the UK. Hello, welcome back to the Mud Island Adventures podcast. We're back again. It's been uh, a little bit delayed this week because of work commitments, etc. Um, but we've finally made it, which is good news. Um, with me, as always, is Lee. Lee's been quite busy this week, haven't you, mate? I, I have, mate. It's been a bit uh, been a bit hectic at my end, uh, one thing and another. But we made it, as you say. We're here. Uh, yeah, and uh, you got the family back together again for the first time in yes. a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the joys of being an army husband, though, mate. Hey, absolutely, mate. Yeah, it's uh, mm. it's got its own challenges, that's for sure. But it's all good fun. I reckon. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what's been going on over the last couple of weeks? Um, well, the um, Facebook group has grown yet again, only by a few. Come on, people, get let's get the word out there. Um, tell your friends all about us. Uh, get them on the Facebook group. And uh, there's been some really good discussions going on this week. Um, my favourite one was, was about uh, what snacks everyone takes with them on, on their adventures. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I put on a couple of kilos just thinking about it, which was <laughs> which was great. Uh, and um, yeah, we talk a, bit, a little bit about the main body this week. So um, also, yeah, we still got the Instagram up and running. It's been a little bit quiet. I apologise for that. Um, again, it's been a really busy couple of weeks um, professionally for myself, and. Um, I must try harder. It says on my next report, must try harder at Instagram. Uh, and I know when Janet listens to this, she's going to be saying the same thing. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah we're still there. Uh, at Mud Island, Mud Island Adventures on Instagram and Twitter and the Mud Island Adventures Facebook group. Get yourselves on there. And if you haven't heard the previous episodes uh, of the podcast, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, uh, and uh, a couple of others as well. So most of the major platforms now, which is really, really great news. For those of you that have um, been with us from the start, thank you for listening. Please continue. Spread the word. And uh, please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on, because uh, that's how we grow the listener base. Um, anyway, so without much further ado, this week's main adventure or the thing we're going to talk about we didn't take a poll on it this week which um sort of deviates from our normal protocol um but we felt that with the events of a couple of weekends ago uh it was worth a mention so this week we're going to go with bike packing yes now yes, we are I, I can hear lee physically <laughs> shuddering at the thought of riding a bicycle uh, let alone for multiple days. <laughs> I, I, I told you, mate. All your stuff. I'm I'm fine if it's got an engine, right? Take that away, <laughs> then make me the engine. Then yes, I'm not so keen. But yes, let's talk about bikepacking because you've had quite uh, quite the adventure yourself, didn't you? Uh, a couple of weekends ago. Yeah. So uh, I mean, as, uh, as as listeners will know, or that anybody that knows me will know, I'm pretty into my cycling. Um, and it's the first time I've really taken the plunge into uh, exploring a bit further afield with the bike and indeed taking equipment with me. Um, so the idea came up. I've been following bits and pieces and, um, you know, learning about it. And let's face it, 
there's nothing new about bike touring or cycle touring. It's been going on for years and years and years and years and years and years. Well, since cycling started, really. Uh, but the over the last few years, we've seen a rise in um, lightweight bike packing, uh, which I think is probably the best way to, to look at it. So um, with a lot of people who have done cycle touring in the past, you'll probably probably recall seeing people with uh, big panniers on the back and you know sometimes on the front and taking lots of kit with them or towing trailers etc so the way i interpret bike packing um is generally a lightweight uh, and more often than not an off-road version of cycle touring uh, and that's kind of where i've been delving into so uh, i got into gravel biking a little a uh, little while ago when i bought um a gravel bike, for those that aren't aware, is a almost a road-style bike, so a drop-handled bike, um, but with knobblier tyres, so kind of a, a hybrid <laughs> between a cyclocross bike, which is purely for racing on grass and mud, um, and a mountain bike with no suspension, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I've got a yeah. perfectly. Yeah, I've got a mental picture right there. All right, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, and it's something I've been meaning to do for a while. And where better to try it out than on the King Alfred's Way? So the King Alfred's Way is a 350-kilometre circular route, which traditionally starts and ends in Winchester uh, and, and sort of circumnavigates what would have been Wessex back in the, in the olden days, um, all run by King Alfred. And, uh, yeah. You know, he's a pretty famous dude, particularly down this part, around these parts, you see. And, yeah, uh, yeah so cy uh, Cycling UK, which is the um, sort of charitable side of the Cyclist Touring Club, created the route back in 2019. It was released last year. And since then, its popularity has absolutely soared, not only because of the challenge it presents with 350 kilometres and uh, of travel. It is multi-terrain. A lot of it is really challenging i'm not gonna lie uh and there's also about five uh four and a half thousand meters of climbing uh, along the route um and it seemed that most of it was on the last day for me so, <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. so, so that's a bit till last oh but honestly mate, it was, uh, yeah it was pretty <laughs> brutal um now that i was quite lucky that i had a, a friend with me who was an incredibly strong cyclist so paul if you're listening uh, this goes out to you. Thank you so much for dragging me around that weekend. Um, but it was uh, for both of us. It was our first foray into bike packing, um, as it as the modern um, sort of bike packing stuff has evolved. Uh, yeah. So what 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 did we need? So the first thing we looked at is what do you need to go bike packing? Well, yeah. of course you need a bike. Uh, and as I like to say to people, the best bike that you can possibly have is the one you own. Uh, because mm -hmm. with a bike, it's obviously pretty pretty pointless. But there's no need, I don't think, to go out and buy a special bike to do these things. Um, a lot of people say progress through. It's like a lot of sports. So upgrade the equipment or find the niche that they want to head into and, and um, buy equipment accordingly. But Quite simply, with um, a relatively sort of cheap setup, you can get going with bike packing quite easily uh, if you if you know where to look. Um, 
Now, I'll, uh, I'll drop some some mentions and hashtags, but um, a lot of my equipment that I was using uh, on the King Alfred's Way comes from uh, Planet X, which is an online um, cycle store, uh, and they do a lot of bike packing equipment at a really reasonable price. So I'll, I'll drop that on the uh, Instagram when we when we release this. Um, as it happens, I bought my bike from the or my most most recent bike from them as well. Um, so they're going to get a really big shout out. Uh, mm. and hopefully, we'll, I'll get some free stuff. Be <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, you know, that, that's why we're doing this. So, yeah. can I can I just ask? Yes, you talked you talked about those you know the, the, the sort of um, old school panniers and stuff. So, how are you like getting away from that? How are you getting away from? What are you actually using to stow all of your kit? Uh, so I personally, I went with uh, an under saddle bag. Um, so it's, you know, sort of attaches underneath the saddle and to the seat post. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just looks like an extended tubular bag um, okay. un- underneath the seat. Um, so that was one, one part. And then I had a, I've got a frame bag. So it sits inside the triangular frame of the, um, of the bike along the underside of the top tube. Um, and then also have a um, a handlebar roll. Yeah, uh, all of all of these things are pretty waterproof. Uh, so if you think about canoe bags and roll top bags um, yes. that you can get, um, and in that I had my my sleeping system. So I had a, a sleeping bag um, and a bivy bag in in the bag at the front, uh, and uh, yeah. So eventually, I had a pillow in there, a little blow-up pillow. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> the, re- no. the reason behind that, reason behind that. So uh, the first night that we were out, and we we did sleep wild. We were courteous and followed the the principles of wild camping. Um, it wasn't so much camping; it was literally just it's getting dark. Get your head down. <laughs> Sleeping um, rough with the bike. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Paul woke up um, at sort of half four. Well, we were both awake at that point as the sun was rising over the over the beautiful um sort of downs um over the uh, ridgeway uh north of Marlborough and mm. uh, he just sort of turned around and went I thought of the next uh next title for your podcast mate and I was like what's that he said pillows we're just not very good at them uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, we're both pretty experienced when it comes to sleeping rough, having uh, having spent, um, you know, between us probably uh, something like 40 years in the military. Uh, and we always get it wrong. We always get, <laughs> we're so bad with pillows. Uh, so Garrick's top tip, um, get a decent you know, sort of stow down pillow, which we did later on that day. And the second night was wonderful. Yeah, you can't beat your comforts. So that's... No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's pretty much the, uh, that, that's how my bike set up. So it doesn't, um, the idea is to keep everything, uh, you, you go on a, a sort of minimalist or I went on a minimalist, um, uh, sort of idea. I, I carried my water on my back so that my frame wasn't, um, although I had some toolkit stuff, uh, on where you'd normally stow your bottles at yeah. one bottle. Uh, which had just some electrolyte um, or had water with electrolytes in 
because I sweat a lot, so I know that I need to replace yeah. a set of electrolytes. But the other frame um, storage points uh, were for sort of inner tubes and and bit of toolkit, that sort of stuff. Some spares. Yeah. yeah. So and, that that and that was pretty much my setup. Yeah. So that kind of that just sort of um, leads me into asking, you know, how much skill you know do we need to be able to sort of do this i mean in terms of like bike obviously if you're going to be out there on the king alfred's way or wherever else uh you're probably going to end up in a situation sooner or later if you do this for long enough that you're going to end up having to at least change change an inner tube or or do some basic main so what what sort of things have you uh, have you got on board for that eventuality uh, so, uh, like I say, I, I always carry uh, a toolkit. A lot of people go uh, with tubeless tires, which means that you just have a sealant in, in a, um, inside the tire and no inner tube. Right. Um, the, the theory behind it is, and it is, you know, it's a really good um, system. I just hadn't done it in time. <laughs> uh, so, um, but I did, the idea being that the sealant, if it, um, as a wheel rotates, if it, if the tire gets punctured, the sealant finds the hole and clogs it. So you, you know, you might lose a few psi, but you won't right. lose the, um, all pressure, and it just sort of you can just carry on then, yeah, um, without worrying about it. So Paul was running tubeless, um, and he had no issues all weekend actually. Um, so really good system, uh, but I, I would say that um, as a minimum, you need to know how to adjust, uh, how to change a. Uh, an inner tube or deal with any sort of puncturing in your in your tires um whichever system you're you're dealing with so you know whether it's replacing an inner tube or patching an inner tube or patching a hole in a um in a tubeless tire whatever happens you need to be able to deal with that um and that's relatively simple to learn you can follow youtube videos or um you know a lot of people will help you along the way there was a lot of people out on Particularly on the King Alfred's way, if you if you're going to go anywhere more remote, then I'll make sure that you can do a little bit more than that. But there's plenty of people about, um, and everyone's really really sort of friendly. So um, I would suggest that you probably need to know how to adjust your gears and maintain your drive chain. That's really important. So you know, knowing how to um, correctly lubricate your chain um, and clearing debris out of the out of the drivetrain is is really important. And also understanding. Um, if you've got um, a lot of bikes now, particularly off-road bikes, well, most bikes now, um, you see, have disc brakes. And mm. certainly, you know, if if, um, if you haven't put a, a, a fresh set of pads on at the very beginning, it may be that you come close to wearing out your pads on, on the route because um, it just happens. There's a lot of descending, a lot of braking. Yeah. So, um, yeah, worth knowing how to change them and carry the right, the correct sort of um, style of brake pad. Right. So what did you do for navigation then? Did you go for a particular app or were you just, or did you go the old sort of maps and what are you, what were you doing for that? So on the Cycling UK website, um, which just if you Google Cycling UK, the, the website will come up, no dramas, uh, and then it will guide you into the King Alfred's Way um, sort of route plane. Now, you can actually buy a book from um, 
from the company or from Cycling UK that will give you a full guidebook of the King Alfred's way that you know it's it's been done properly. Yeah, um, I didn't do that because <laughs> <laughs> of course I would. Have. However, what I did make use of from there is um, the GPS file. So it's called a GPX um, file, which is you, um, the ones and zeros you need to put into your GPS to give you the route direction. Right. Um, I have a, a, a Garmin 520 plus bike computer, a GPS, um, and I literally just, you know, sort of transfer it into that through, um, through Garmin Connect. And uh, yeah, that gave me the sort of turn by turn guidance I needed. Wasn't always quick enough to keep up. So you've got to be quite, um, quite we, on we, the ball with it. So you're actually outpacing, you're outpacing your sat nav, were you? At, at times, yeah, but I think that's down. To, <laughs> that was down to um, that was down to my um, not not setting it up right. So I need to dig into that more and probably uh, set, you know set it up better. But that's uh, that's cool, uh, and you know most of the time it worked really really well. Uh, and then you you know you can always if you want to double check that against another app. Um, but people use the phones with uh, apps like Kamut or Strava. Um, to do turn by turn guidance, and you know, there's plenty of methods out there of of doing that. Um, I, and, you know, I I have a Garmin, but other GPS variants are available. Yes. So with the um, with, with your suppliers and stuff, because obviously you're going to be, you know, you've you've got your toolkits, you've got your um, uh, spares, you've got uh, you've got all your fluids and water and everything, sleeping system. Mm-hmm. At some point, I mean, I certainly would want to be wanting to stop for a cup of tea and something to eat. I mean, you just like popping into the, uh, yeah. you know, pubs and cafes, or are you you actually taking supplies with? Yeah, so I mean, we um, I did carry some um, freeze dried, sort of dehydrated um, expedition food with me. So I had two meals with me just in case we, yeah. you know, we. Uh, a lot of it's about timing. So if you, you know, if you're, um, if you miss the last fish and chip shop <laughs> oh no don't, oh, yeah. don't, don't, don't say uh, things like that when you you know if, if you turn around and say oh i'm not ready to stop yet but you've passed the last thing and you're not going to get to another you know another stop yeah to be fair it's not remote enough to really worry about it because you tend to stumble across places all the time mm. and actually we found some real gems on <laughs> some really nice stops um but um yeah it, we we made use of local services and and um so pubs cafes um had an amazing breakfast on the saturday morning after about 50 k's of riding uh, yeah that, that just did a, look spectacular oh the massive stack of french toast with syrup and bacon and but oh, it was amazing anyway um yeah but I, yeah we always make sure that we've got something to eat so i was carrying a cooker a gas cooker um and um freeze-dried food just in case I needed to, you know, if it um, if I needed to stop and get something down me in a hurry and wasn't close enough to a shop, then we could have done that. Yeah. Done that absolutely. Um, but as you go around this, um, you know, there's there's always somewhere, or well, there's usually somewhere to stop uh, and and do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I mean that 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 minimised the amount of um, food that we actually had to take with us. So a lot of it was just jelly sweets and, you know, um, protein bars, gels, yeah. that sort of thing, the, the instant hit stuff that you need. Um, 
and along the way there was a lot of water points as well you know a, a lot of the oh, um, okay. as you travel <clears throat> yeah particularly on the south downs way and the uh the ridgeway in the north mm. um you know they're pretty well marked or well documented uh water points so yeah you yeah i think that's refill. becoming i think that's becoming quite the thing now isn't it up and down the country uh you're getting these water points uh where you yeah. can you know replenish your supplies and everything yeah i think it's a brilliant idea i, I think they've been around for a while actually but the, you know uh, they're increasing the numbers there have been right. a number for a while but they've sort of increased the numbers and um they're more readily available it's great mm. and I, I think because of um social media and, and the internet they're just that information is better promulgated. Yes. Um, yeah. So we had, you know, we had, we knew exactly where the next water stop was going to be if we needed to. It was great. Mm -hmm. Really good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, cool, now the, man. so the, the, the thing we, with bikepacking now, I'm talking about the King Alfred's way, but, um, you know, wherever you are, there are byways and restricted byways, bridleway, cycle paths, you know, quiet little roads, um, all over the, all over the place. Uh, you guys up there, uh, you know, having a whale of the time with the right to mm. roam. But, you know, it, it shouldn't detract anywhere in the UK. Um, there are great places to, to go and ride. Now, it's entirely up to you. We decided to wild camp on that one because, A, I'm cheap and I don't like, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't like paying for hotels. Um, uh, but also, you know, it, the weather was fantastic. It was, like, probably a bit too hot, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, in some ways, uh, talk about mad dogs and Englishmen. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, but um, what what it did mean was that because we had glorious weather the entire weekend, we didn't have to worry about putting up tents or tarps or anything mm. like that. It was literally just getting a a sleeping bag with a bivy bag, you know, waterproof bivy bag over the top, uh, on your roll mat, eventually a pillow, uh, and sleep under the stars. And it was a fantastic, you know, um, chance to do that. And you know, I've said before. Any chance I get to do that, I'd like to take that chance because it's um, it's a pleasure. Yes. For me. It's, you know, chicken soup for the soul. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. But um, a lot of people are doing this by going hotel to hotel. So they'll plan their route um, and the daily mileage. And, you know, the, at the end point, they'll find a hotel so that they can go and have a, a nice meal and a few beers and a comfortable bed and a shower and all the rest of it and then carry on the journey. Which is, you know, just I think as fulfilling um, as uh, as camping, or yeah. um, if you still want to have the outdoor experience um, and maybe aren't quite sure that you want to go down the wild camping route, then you know there's campsites along. Um, why not plan your route uh, utilizing the campsites available? Yeah, uh, and that's a you know that's a really good way. Again, you get. Uh, in a lot of places, you'll get the facilities, and there's usually, you know, some sort of uh, uh, watering hole nearby <laughs> for you to, for you yeah. to make best use of. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and the beauty is, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. We talk, you know, we had a, a fantastic weekend, <clears throat> glorious weather, uh, and it really didn't cost. You know, all it cost was. Um, you know what, whatever food we ate, you know, or bought mm -hmm. while we were there. The rest of it was, you know, we already had all the equipment. Fortunately, well, uh, that, that's what I was going to ask because if you've got if you've got your bike, like you say, you've yeah. got your general sort of cycling stuff. Um, mm -hmm. 
then these uh, these like frame bags and everything that you've just been describing. I mean, are they reasonably expensive? I mean, if if, if I was just like to start this or reasonably expensive, that's... reasonably, reasonably <laughs> yeah, expensive, yeah, yeah. inexpensive yeah. price. Inexp- yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, I don't. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. You can uh, again. It's one of these things. So for my entire kit, I think um, probably costs somewhere in the region of about eighty pounds. Right. Okay. Uh, for for all the bags, uh, I, I mean, call it a hundred for mm. you know some some of the extra bits and pieces that I've got um, going on. But you know, for a hundred pounds, essentially, I've kitted out my bike. Um, I spent. Um, rather than use a military bivy bag, I decided I wanted a um, a more lightweight um, civilian style one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I did buy one that was about thirty or forty quid, I think. Okay. Uh, sleeping a sleeping bag is always good, um, mm. you know, and a good sleeping bag is better. So, as it was, you know, I've, I've got sleeping bags out of the yin yang, but for instance. <laughs> I, I could have um, probably well, I could have spent less than fifty pounds on a sleeping bag, and it would have been absolutely sufficient for the task. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the the reason I took the sleeping bag I did, which was a, a military style jungle bag, um, was because I knew it was going to be warm and it packs down really small. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's all about uh, how much you're willing to pay, but also how much you're willing to risk on space saving, etc. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be expensive, you know. The, yes, I've paid out a bit more on my bike, but that's, you know, I didn't need to. Um, it's just because I'm a brat and I wanted a new bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, you, at least you can admit it, you know. No, there's no bike yeah. In that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, bike packing. What an amazing way to see the countryside. The what what I will say, doing a journey like that. Um, even over the space of a couple of days, and I mean, with the the whole thing for us uh, took um, just over forty eight hours. The whole experience mm. and watching flora and fauna change, and you don't think about it in this country, you know, because we're such a small space. Um, but actually, you could see the the change in um, vegetation, the change in the ground state. The, change you know we just went from chalk uh chalk grassland through to sort of sandy moorland and and everything in between it was amazing absolutely incredible and i would totally totally recommend bike packing cycle touring whatever you want to call it um you know go and give it a go go and give it a go yeah and i think you know <clears throat> i guess you can kind of set your own pace as well i mean you don't have to smash around the whole 350 kilometers in a weekend uh, you know, you can, you can <laughs> no. if you want to, but uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, you can kind of set your own pace. And like uh, Garrick says, you can just go and uh, just plot your routes for a week, a weekend, even a day, whatever it might be. But yeah, it's uh, it, it certainly is a great way to uh, to get out there and uh, and see the countryside and explore places that you just can't get, you know, on a car. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not, uh, if you you know, if you don't feel confident enough to go and uh, try it by yourself, there are guided formations, uh, guiding companies that will cover it. So um, if you go to uh, cycle-britain.co.uk, um, have a look at the range of courses that they've got. They've actually got an introduction to bikepacking course, 
um, that's being run uh, in, in a few locations, but they also do guided and unguided bikepacking tours. So, um, you know, that can be as luxurious as having somebody uh, fetch your bags to the hotel for you or uh, simply just making sure you're, you're safe and um, dealing with any issues. So, yeah, by all means, have a go and um, have a look at it if, uh, if that really weeks your uh, interest yeah i've got to say though I, I, yeah. there's parts of me that haven't quite recovered from... <laughs> <laughs> maybe next time i'll uh, take a few more days to cover that sort of distance but you never know uh now talking about somebody who's covering some distance at the moment uh our big adventure this week um yeah. i'm afraid i'm taking the highlight on this one mate because mm -hmm. Uh, status code 14 um, have cropped up so much on my feed over the last couple of years because they are just pounding it uh, mm. in terms of the what what they're into at the moment. So uh, it actually came to my attention because uh, one of the guys there, uh, Ollie Clothier, who's part of the team, uh, it's a team of three guys, but Ollie is a uh, member of the, uh, used to be part of the, uh, paragliding development team, the UK paragliding development team, which is how I met him, uh, you know, through paragliding. But uh, he's a commercial diver. Uh, he's teamed up with two other guys, Steve Dredge and Simon Lemon, um, both into their adventure in various guises. Now, status code 14, uh, and I'm just going to read this for Batum, uh, is a... Um, a code that is used by uh, emergency services, so blue light, um, uh, blue light organisations when they require backup. Um, so um, that that is the uh, the sort of cry for cry for help, uh, call for assistance that they use, uh, and they've taken this on because what they're doing is raising some amazing. Um, money through a series of challenges uh, for some really, really worthwhile charities. And, you know, charities generally are worthwhile, but uh, these two are, are pretty close to, um, you know, close to our heart. So Rock to Recovery um, is uh, essentially using um, outdoor adventure sports as, uh, as a, a way for veterans from the armed forces blue light services uh, and the families of all them uh to overcome some of the difficulties that we face now we've talked we've heard a lot about post-traumatic stress within the armed forces particularly uh following some of the recent um you know sort of conflicts that have gone on uh but we you know we we don't really talk about the blue light services and they're the guys and girls on the front line every day um, putting this, the cells in danger um, when you know the so the rest of us can sleep easy in our beds, uh, and that's that's the fact of the matter. So, Rock to Recovery uh, is backing them up, and providing some support uh, in terms of mental health uh, and well-being. So, uh, go and check them out. And the other uh, charity is yeah, brilliant. The the Chestnut Appeal for Men's <clears throat> Health. Um, and what they're doing is raising awareness of men's cancer throughout the southwest of England. Um, you know, and again, it's something that 
we know about it, but we don't really talk about it. You know, learning to check yourself um, for for the signs of uh, of cancer in places that men don't really want to talk to each other about. Um, mm. You know, and that's what they're doing. They they are raising awareness of that um, of that thing. Now, the way that Status Code fourteen are uh, doing this is uh, they've got a series of challenges, and if you go onto the Status Code fourteen website. Um, it'll tell you all about them. So they've got a, a triathlon relay, which they're planning to do in August this year from London to Paris. Um, so between the three of them, one uh, cycling, they're going to swim the channel and then complete the, um, uh, complete the tri relay to, to Paris. Uh, two of the team members are going to do the um, ultra marathon across the Namibian desert in November this year. I'd be knackered after the tri relay. I don't think I think it would take me longer than uh, I'd be done after the November. I'd be done after the bike ride, mate. Let alone the swim. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, and they're also um, going to take part in the uh, transatlantic uh, Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge uh, in Ooh. 2022, which is the you know teams rowing across yeah. the Atlantic, which is crazy uh but amazing uh and they're also planning to summit and fly paragliders from the um summit of mont blanc uh which is the the highest mountain in europe um and well yeah i mean that mm. all any one of those challenges would be a bit epic yes um, yes it would but to do them all <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's just epic. incredible, uh, and it just sort of just sh- sort of shows the um, the dedication of these guys. Now, yeah. uh, it's very fitting actually to be bringing this up today because um, as we speak, or as we are speaking now, uh, Dave is currently uh, running from. Uh, sorry, not Dave. Steve Dredge is currently running from uh, Inverness Castle to Fort William. Oh, that's a uh, it's a bit of a trick, but yes, that's a cheeky little number that one. Yes, uh, it is. <laughs> so bit, nothing bit better hilly. to do on a Saturday. Uh, nothing better to do on a Saturday, but uh, run 120 kilometers. Yeah. Uh, from uh, sorry, it's Sunday, isn't it? Lost track of days. <laughs> uh, any day. I do, I do that but regularly, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but 120 k's from Inverness Castle to um, to Fort William again to raise funds and awareness for uh, two very amazing charities so please check them out on uh, instagram um and have a look at the website and uh yeah put some money uh, put some money their way um you know they, they are doing some pretty incredible stuff uh, and hopefully we'll get to speak to them uh, in the future yeah that'll be great i think we need to uh, definitely um speak to them and uh, get their input into all of this stuff some very experienced people there. Great stuff. Uh, so that's a that's the big adventure for this uh, for this episode. Uh, what about something a little more relaxed? Something for the weekend, sir. Something for the weekend, sir. Perfect. Right. Yes, you can do that. Yeah. So, if like me, you're a bit of a reader, and like Garrick, you like to sort of disappear with your head into a book. We've got. The Armchair Adventure this week. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a classic. I've read it, Garrick's read it. And, you know, if you sort of went to school in the 70s and 80s, 
you would definitely have read Swallows and Amazons by Arthur Ransom. Now, this is a, a classic tale of adventures as they used to be. It's, uh, it's a summer in the lakes, uh, the Walker family's there, they explore Wildcat Island, the camp under the open skies, they're fishing for their dinner, they're sailing their dinghies, and they're just having this fantastic time. And then the Amazon pirates in the t- form of the Blackett sisters turn up. Now, that's where it all starts to get quite exciting, as if all of that wasn't exciting enough. But this is, it's a beautiful book. Um, if you read it as a child, and I did more than once, uh, it's a fantastic uh, piece of escapist uh, literature, and it's a great way as well to uh, to rekindle that childhood sense of wonder and adventure. Um, when my son's a little bit older, I'm going to be reading it to him or giving it to him to read. Uh, he's already into his adventures and stuff now, so it's uh, it's a beautiful book. It was um, helped you explore this time when. You know, a lot of childhood, you know, we spent it outdoors. We weren't in front of a screen, mostly because the TV only broadcast a few hours a day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, if you know, for those of us who sort of grow up then, it was a staple in the school library. So, you know, go find a copy. Read it again. Read it for the first time. Read it to your children and just be inspired by these simpler times and escape to Wildcat Island in the Lake District and then reignite that youthful sense of adventure. I mean, any book that's still in print after nearly 100 years, and it's been mm. republished 12 times in audio <laughs> and print format, it's got to have something going for it. I mean, it was 1930 when that first came out. 1930s. You'd think they should do a movie about it. Oh, wait, well, yeah, a couple of times, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, they did a really good uh, adaptation. Um, it's only a few years old, actually. But, uh, yeah, they did a really good, uh, a more recent adaptation. as the one that we remember from kids as well. But Arthur Ransom, Swallows and Amazons is uh, this week's uh, armchair adventure. And it's, uh, it's a great story, even as an adult, maybe even especially as an adult. So go check, check it out. Copy. It. Check it out. Yeah. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, love, love the idea of messing around in boats. Um, oh, yeah. the, the sort of childhood sounds fantastic. Uh, I'll tell you something else I really, really, really enjoyed as a kid, and I still do today, along with uh, with the boy uh, and, and Joe as well. We're all very keen on this. Come on. What's yep. the weekend win? That's rock pooling, buddy. Rock yeah, pooling. Yeah, it's a family. <laughs> it is a family favourite. Um, it's something I've got fond memories of as a child, and it's something that as soon as we get out to the coast, you know, Jack and I were going to be heading out there with our uh, bucket, net, you know, spotter guide, all this kind of stuff. Some good gripping shoes as well. I'm going to try and persuade him to leave his uh, flip-flops, at, you know, just in the car. Um, <laughs> yeah, all the rocks are sharp. They're slippery. Or maybe it's just me at my age. But anyway, yeah. So just with those few little, um, you know, inexpensive little uh, additions, you can get out there and start exploring this uh, magical micro-environment. And explore the colours, the textures. Uh, you know what can you find you know, lurking under these rocks? What can you find that's uh, that you maybe never seen before? And it is a uh, it's a wonderful way to uh, to spend a morning, an afternoon, or a day. But what I would say is check the tides. Okay, yeah. really important point here, folks. You've got to check the tides. Um, obviously, with uh, rock pooling, the best 
is going to be at the, the low tide point. So uh, sooner or later, it's going to start turning and coming back in. and You don't want to get caught out there. So you can check the tides. We've mentioned this before. Most coastal uh, towns with their stores and shops, almost everywhere, hard. There are also various apps. Uh, tides near me is one that I use. Uh, it's a fantastic app. You just put in your location and it gives you the, um, the tidal times, the tidal reach and everything else that you need to know. So always check the tides so you're not going to get caught out. If you want to know a little bit more about uh, rock pooling and how to get involved with it, you can check out uh, the RSPB, uh, their website, uh, the National Trust, National History Museum. They've all got uh, advice on um, where to go around the coasts of Britain. And uh, also some of them have downloadable uh, spotter sheets or spotter guides so that you can identify you know, all these little creatures, all the limpets, the fish and the, everything else that you're going to find there and the crabs, um, you know, because uh, we do have some uh, remarkable species, uh, you know, in and around the UK, inland, in the air and in the seas and rivers. So, you know, knowing what they are is, uh, is a big part of uh, rock pooling, you know, being able to explore that and getting in touch with your own in a Doctor Doolittle, in a uh, Steve Irwin, you know, on a on a you know much more manageable scale. Yeah, rock pooling. No, no, no G, uh, just rock pooling. Get out there, have fun, and um, you know, document it, folks. Take you know, note all that stuff down, and uh, you know, let us know where your favourite rock pooling areas are. It's a Absolutely. great way to spend time with the family. Guys and girls, where can you put those photographs and tell your stories? Well, come and visit us. Join the Facebook group, uh, Mud Island Adventures, uh, or uh, drop in the hashtag Mud Island Adventures. And, uh, yeah, let's pick it all up on social media. We want to see mm -hmm. what you've been doing. And, um, yeah, it, you know, rock pooling, whether we've sparked your interest in that or, um, you know, how about... How about photos of your reading swallows and Amazon somewhere mm. cool? Uh, maybe on a, a little dinghy sailing yeah. across uh, you know, one of the Great Lakes. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and if we sparked your interest in bike packing this week, um, please do feel free to ask the questions on the group. Um, either myself or Paul will more than happily share our experience. And if we don't know the answer, there's probably somebody on there that does. So use the hive mind that is becoming absolutely uh, or um, it is yeah that is the mud island adventures facebook group uh and uh yeah there's plenty of information on on the net all you have to do is google it um but yeah that's um all that's left really so part of uh part of the reason we did the, the king alfred's way i was so keen to do it uh is because the triple challenge 21 uh will um, will follow part of the King Alfred's way from just south of Reading through to Winchester. So I wanted to have a good recce of that. And mm. uh, oh, I tell you, it's a cheeky little section now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, the, the South Downs are not the most forgiving on the legs. I'm not going to lie to you. But we're going to do it anyway. So the Triple cool. Challenge 21 coming up in September. Uh, we're, we're still pretty fixed on the dates. I think the weekend of the, the 11th of September. Um, all, uh, all to raise money and awareness for the Stroke Association, who've been kind enough this week to send me some 
delightful um so i've got a cycling jersey and uh, also a running vest from them this week so thank you very very much oh. to the stroke association for sending that through um you can uh, donate through uh, uh, through my Just Giving page. So Just Giving and uh, Mud Island Adventures Triple Challenge Twenty One. Um, I'll drop a I'll drop a link on um, on the Facebook page at some point. Um, and not only that, I don't really want to do this alone because it will be a long lonely road uh, or canal or bridal way. <laughs> Wherever yep. I am at the time. Um, so why don't you make up your own challenges? Uh, let us know what you're going to do. And maybe that weekend we could have lots and lots of challenges going on around the country, raising money for whatever causes you want. What an amazing thing that would be to have yeah. all those adventures going on I at really the would. same time. So please, please, please do that. Let us know what you've got planned. Well, Lee, as always, yep. it's been a pleasure. Indeed, my friend. Thoroughly enjoyed. I, I've got to go and dig out my uh, my gum boots now and go, uh, go and find forget... somewhere to rock pool. Yeah, don't forget the ginger beer. <laughs> lashings and lashings, lashings. of ginger beer. Yep. Fantastic. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Uh, thank you so much. Hook us up on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we want to hear you all about your adventures too. So for now, all we've got to say is what, Lee? Go. Do and tell us about it.